0: Welcome back to RinkWise, everyone. We are New England's premier hockey podcast produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. We're back again to give you another great episode today discussing tips for athletes as they prepare for a very busy summer full of events and showcases. And joining us again in studio to help with this discussion is Hockey Journal's very own Evan Miranovsky. Welcome back again.
1: I am happy to be back. We are officially in the off season. It is no there's no hockey tryouts are done and
0: officially, co- officially.
1: college yes. is done and the bruins, unfortunately, for this region oh. are finished. Jeez. So I mean it's just a colossal collapse. That could be its own podcast, what but a we won't disappointment.
0: do that. I know. I think this whole week I feel like Boston was just mourning this entire week?
1: The worst part of it was I was I was there for game five and seven covering and then the next night after game seven I got tickets to the Celtics was fortunate and saw them lose. So I got th- in three, day- three games in five days I saw them I saw teams at the Garden lose so I think I am bad luck. I am not going to the Garden anymore. So I will oh, refrain. No. I will, no more. No more.
0: No. no can't I happen. Don't, I don't can't have it. But you're right we could almost at some point do a, a, an episode on the Bruins. I mean that's a, what a good takeaway a team that just completely dominated essentially all season, record-breaking season, and choke or stumble big or choke whatever yeah you want to call it but just maybe way too complacent there and uh, unfortunately a disappointing result yeah what
1: could season. what what could a prep school and high school kids learn from that like, huh, what's it doesn't matter if you're a great team all year playoffs are a whole different animal but uh, they sure are. in this episode we want to get as you said summer events showcases how to navigate them and we, we touched on it a little in the last episode you and I did together where it can be kind of it's really confusing I think for parents because there's it's 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 hard to tell what to do. It's hard to tell what's good, what's bad. But I think we're going to lay out some baselines here today that sort of put you in the best position to find the best fit. Doesn't mean we're going to sit here and say, oh, your son should do this and your daughter should do this, but things you can do ahead of time as the summer approaches that a good idea for what to do next. Um, Right. And just like anything in life, Stephanie, if you want to pick the best thing, got to do a little bit of research researching is pretty important
0: it is very important yeah and and as you said i think this is a very big topic but with our off season now coming up so we have a lot of tournaments and a lot of showcases and just i think for the sake of this episode evan why don't we classify showcases as an event where kids can be seen either by college coaches and or prep or -hmm. or junior yep right so kind of essentially an event where they are trying to be seen and get recruited. So just so I think we can... Yeah, sort of just classify that, I think, for our audience so they can distinguish between like a regular tournament, which is probably just maybe more for fun, versus a showcase. But yeah, definitely a big topic. And I think these are hopefully tips that can be generic. So I think they can apply to if you're going for the college process, if you're older, going for the NCAA, trying to get recruited, or prep school, if you're trying to get recruited for there... Or even like a junior program on the boys' side. So hopefully just a general overview. But Evan, you said it. I think the first one is, number one, starting with research by the athlete and their family. And by that meaning, it is much more helpful, I think, to go into events with essentially a plan. So the first thing when I sit with an athlete to help guide them is it starts with them, and they have to start with a list of schools, or teams that they think would be a very good fit and lots of things to consider there. So if we look at just in New England, there's a whole variety of different types of colleges, for example, right? Like you have schools in the middle of Boston, yep, big city versus several schools that might be on the outskirts, more in the you know, smaller things like that.
1: UMass felt at times like we were out in the middle of the country. So I know (laughs) what you mean there,
0: but you loved it though, right? It was terrific.
1: Yes. Great fit. So
0: just all different types of environment. And I think that that's, that's where that starts. So doing your own research and starting to look at things like that to really start to figure out what might be a good fit for you as an individual. And
1: that applies to prep school too, right? Of cause there's prep schools in near Boston. And this prep school is like Cushing. They're out in Central Mass.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think for prep, I think one of the first questions to ask yourself is, are you open to boarding or not? Because that, I think, is the first place to start because it's going to completely open endless amount of options if you are open to boarding versus if you're not, then it's sort of based on a geographic area that you'd be starting to look from. So again, I think just a good starting point. And again, like I think that starts with the athlete and their family doing that research themselves.
1: Yeah. And it seems like a big thing in the sense, it's sort of like how you do research for going to a college as just a regular student, making sure it's a fit. Cause it feels like a lot of times you see kids go into prep on both the boys and the girls side, or they'll go into whether it's prep, academy model, even colleges, and they switch every year. And it's like, Maybe if you do a little bit of research beforehand, and obviously you know kids change, your your preferences change, things like that, but it feels like if you do that research before, you can prevent those types of things from happening potentially of, hey, you know what, I know I'm probably not going to want to be away from the city, or oh, I would like a smaller school, I don't want a board, I want to be local, things like that. Maybe if you get that out of the way early, you don't have to transfer as much as you see kids sometimes do. Do you notice that?
0: Definitely, and I, I think we do see a lot more transferring these days, and I, I think that that's another topic, in my opinion. That is a big topic. Almost coincides with a little bit of how we see the upbringing now and this generation and the youth world. But I think with the, the research of schools, I, I, I think it's very critical, essentially because, too, the market now is just so big, right? So 20, 25 years ago or even more, there was just less options. With a lot of different options these days, so it's much different than years ago, where there just wasn't as many options. And now there's a ton of options. So that's why I think going into your showcases with a bit of a plan is very critical, just so that you don't get lost in the shuffle, and you're not just going into events and sort of throwing what you can against the wall and seeing what sticks, so to speak. Coaches have so many kids to see and look at these days that... Again, my opinion, I think it's very important to go in with a bit of a plan and have a list of schools that you think you could really see yourself at, both attending school-wise and playing and fitting into their, their hockey program. That's important. And it's important to be realistic about that. And I can tell you, as someone that does this often, a lot of kids are not. <laughs> no. And, uh, and it, it can
1: happen. And sometimes the parents are not realistic either.
0: No. And and it's just – it's it's a bit of a lack of just research and information on Like you do have to, like if you're a junior, for example, your window of opportunity is not that big. You're a junior. You're going to be going in your senior year. So you don't have as much time as you would have, say, if you were a freshman, right. Or an, or an eighth grade where you have a lot of time and you just have more time that you can really spend on having a bigger list and just looking at more things. But I think when you get older, you just don't have that. So I think you have to be realistic and you have to really go into things with a list and a plan of of who you're going to reach out to and effectively be seen by when you go to these events.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think you hit it best there and also reaching out to people and talking to them like friends older players advisors at times like what's sort of the best us (laughs) this podcast and then it comes down to the events right as you said don't just throw stuff against the wall and hope it sticks how do you navigate which event is right for you i know obviously like is there a way you can look at beforehand and say oh these coaches are going to be there i want to be there these types of players are there i want to be there or is that information not always out there
0: Well, so it just so happens, Evan, that we are going to do a podcast in the near future that is going to discuss all of the options that we have in New England. So this is just kind of a starting point to just give some tips on on how athletes can prepare. But I think, no question, we hit on this on on previous episodes, that there's so many things out there these days that you could essentially be signing up for an event or a, or a tournament or a showcase almost every single weekend. But... I think that let's say your goal is to play college. You want, you want a college showcase clearly. Number one, the number one thing should be that there should be an event with a lot of college coaches that are going to be there. So if they're not, then I think you really want to make sure that again, you're doing your research and finding the quality of your investment versus quantity. So, Let's say I want to play at Northeastern, just for example. I'm a youth athlete. This, I think, is going to sound like an obvious statement, but I want to be at events that I know the Northeastern coaches are going to be there. Yes. Right? So if I want to be seen by them and I want to try to get recruited by them, I want to try to be at events that they are going to be there. And I think that, again, that that's on part of the athlete and the family doing that research. But... With with the model in New England, with the select hockey places and, and various prep school coaches and stuff, they spend a lot of time, I think, advising athletes on this and would really encourage families to, again, get with folks that you that know the landscape well and that they trust and that can sit with them and establish a bit of a plan throughout the summer. Because I also do think that you don't want to be doing too many events either.
1: No, we, and we talked about this. People jamming their schedules full of events that maybe they don't have to do. Because this we're not talking tournaments here. We're talking showcases, which, again, Correct. are a different animal. Right. And when it comes... We'll get to reaching out to coaches in a second. But there's one thing I we touched on before we came in here when it comes to showcases. It can be a lot of pressure. You get... We talked about this last episode. You get one chance in front of a college coach, right? Like, that's... You got to be at your best. How do you mentally prepare for that? Because it feels like some kids might not even think twice about it whereas some might be really nervous and kind of their kids is who are really good tryout players and their kids who are not good tryout players how do you mentally get up and kind of ready for that to to have such a big first impression on a coach
0: indeed yeah great question certainly pressure for sure again with a very competitive market as we said but evan i'm a big believer that confidence and going into something feeling well prepared is going to come from being actually prepared for that moment, right? So I think another strong piece of advice and tip is when you're going to your showcase. So let's say we have a showcase that's scheduled towards the end of June. And so right now we're just starting beginning of May, right? A lot of kids took a little bit of a break in the spring as they should, as they were advised. And now for them, it might be a good time to just start back up with, a little bit of hockey, a little bit of skating, certainly training, off-ice activity, starting to really try to get in shape, working on their strength and conditioning and that sort of thing. Because by the time that that showcase comes, let's call it June the 25th, just for example. I'll mark that down. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. You, you want to be at your best. Also, you want to be trying to show at your best for that event. And I use an analogy a lot with our team, like when we go into really big games, they're going to be feeling confident and less pressure in those situations if they're really well prepared, and that comes from them practicing and doing everything possible at practice so that they are as well prepared for game. It's like it's like going into like a final exam. Yes, having studied a lot and being prepared, for and not just cram
1: the night before. Not, neither of you. We've never done that. Right. No, never.
0: So ask yourself this scenario: Would you? How would you feel if you went into an exam? After two weeks of really studying hard, going over the material, like would you feel confident going into that exam? Would you say?
1: Yeah, I would. I would hundred percent say that. Yeah.
0: Versus a scenario, if you, as you said, pulled an all-nighter, cram the night before, like would you f- be feeling very confident for that final? I'd exam? be feeling
1: very tired in that in that scenario, and I I may have been there one or two times, but you all, as you said, you always didn't feel confident. Whereas like when I played hockey and we were going into a big matchup if we watched a lot of film and we were practicing well and we were kind of combating what they were going to do like ah, oh, we we got this like we, we know what they're going to do we, so I think it's a similar thing with showcases and it's also the mental the mental part of it too of like obviously you can't not be you almost have to allow yourself to be a little bit nervous if, if you are nervous for those situations but relying on that confidence and the conditioning that you've sort of built up that that you've done if it's June 25th that's we're recording on May 5th and you have a good amount of time there to prepare, and I think that, as you said, I mean it's a it's a big thing for for a lot of people. You get one chance from a coach, but sometimes we see this probably all the time that you, you might have a player who says, "I want to go to school A," it doesn't really work out with them, but they find a better fit with school B. So it also is like whatever not whatever happens happens, but sometimes different things can happen that are almost better for the player, right? It-
0: For sure. And I think that's why with your list, like, you never want to throw all your marbles into one bucket. Yes. For sure. And advising a lot of high school athletes with the college process, that list, and these could be top players, just for example, like, that list can and should include maybe some division ones. It should absolutely include some division threes as well. And just a variety, but also a list that, again, like, back to that first point, the research, schools that they could see themselves at, and also from a hockey standpoint, that they could fit into. But but certainly with anything, you never want to throw all your marbles in one bucket. And you also do have to expect that throughout the process, you're going to have some programs that like you. You're absolutely going to have some that don't as well.
1: Despise you.
0: And and that's <laughs> normal and part of it. And I think with, with athletes, I think that you have to be prepared to also hear no. I, I know with, with my recruiting process growing up, there was – Schools that liked me, and there was a ton that also did not.
1: You just need one, though. That's like, and it's the same with getting drafted to the USHL and the NHL. You just need one team to say, you know what, we're going to take this kid. And that's all you need. But again, that's easier said than done. But also say,
0: Evan, too, like, don't be afraid. If you get an offer from a school, it's pretty common, don't be afraid to use that as leverage in a talking point with other schools How do you do that?
1: Because I hear I hear about this a lot on the boys' side of, oh, I got an offer from A, and you take it to B. How does that work? How do you handle that?
0: So, I go through it now with our athletes, and I, I think that I force them to create a list that has a ranking of one through three to five. So, if they could just take their magic wand, what would their top choice of schools be? So, regardless of anything else, so where could they see themselves first, second, third, you get the picture. But so if you're able to get an offer, generate an offer from a from a school, great. If that's your dream school, great, but you can also take that to the other schools on your list and see if it generates more interest from them and that's that is a common play often on the girls and the boys side with, with the college level and in fact I'd say Evan that's probably how most people land certain spots that they do. I think that the the hockey world's a small one, but that's just how the recruiting process also works. I think like if there's two schools that are a competing league, they they're competing with each other right so
1: two hockey schools let's say
0: yeah yeah so one offer can certainly play off of the other right so if school x makes an offer to a kid you can take that back put it back on another school's lap and say hey do you know do you want to just FYI, you also want to make an offer. So, and I think it's just that's how the game is played a little bit. But it's just it's also common recruiting practice. I think for college coaches, it's part of their business, and they they're competing with each other as well, and in, in in a very competitive market. And sort of how the game is played. Like it, I said,
1: is that something new, or is that has that always been around?
0: I think that's always been around. I can say, in fact, that's what I did during my <laughs> process. Yes. Uh, so back. You probably went to was, Northeastern
1: and said, "I'm going to go to I'm going to go to LSU for basketball potentially. I'm such a good basketball player. Do <laughs> you, you want to keep me on hockey? Like, what do you want me to do here?
0: I wish that would be that would be something. Yeah, I did love basketball. Though I that
1: know was, that was I w- that was such a revelation when you said it. I was like, what? Because you don't because basketball and hockey the the crossover is not really there. So it's two winter sports, so you don't really see many people mixing and matching over there. But you yeah, did.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was it was back in the day where. You didn't hear as much on specialization, and it was just you played as many sports as you wanted, and you didn't play year round. So it did offer an opportunity to really get into other sports like that. Because now nowadays that's unheard. of. I was just say
1: that would never that did never that right? never even happened when I was
0: coming you, up. You have to play year round, and you have to play in the spring, and the summer, and but uh, but also it's just, it's just also why I'm just a big supporter of the benefits I think of being a multi sport athlete. I do you yeah. think that. So many of those traits from basketball did play into hockey and just IQ and decision making and, and all that stuff. But do you still play at all? Not basketball. So oh. much just, I, I think my injuries, it just, it's, it'd be so tough on knees and stuff like that. But I do still skate, I play men's league, and uh, a bunch of my guys are listening to the show now. So <laughs> hopefully they hear this, give them a bit of a shout out. I do want to revisit how my recruiting process happened. So the the final two schools that I was deciding on was Northeastern and University of Maine. So oh wow, there almost couldn't be two completely opposite. Oh yeah, environments, right? Yes. So so that's very important. Like I coming from kind of a smaller part of Canada, like I I knew that I did want something different to experience for college. So I. We spent a lot of time in Boston, a lot of family vacations and stuff. So I really loved the city, and I did. I was really hoping to try to get to experience that for for college, something something different. But my first offer actually came from Maine, and obviously that's a great opportunity and great hockey and et cetera, But I just knew that if I had a choice, I'd rather go to Northeastern just based on the environment. So we essentially just took that offer back to Northeastern and. Like I said, that's how the game is played. Wheeling and dealing. Two, two schools are in the same league and that's just it's normal and so I think that does happen a lot and so I think getting back to our discussion, I think number 1 just you got to get that offer for sure, but it's it's all the preparation that goes into it and you're right, Evan. I think there is a lot of pressure on kids, but we also have to keep in mind I think it's our job as coaches and and adults to really Work with them on that. You know, it is, it is a game. It's a great opportunity. But the, the preparation is really, I think, where confidence comes from. If you ever think back when you're playing, almost like your best hockey that you play is probably when you're not overthinking, right, on yeah. the ice. And you're almost, your body's Bruin, Bruins just, could
1: use that advice, but
0: yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you're, you're almost just sort of doing things automatically. Like, you're not even thinking, right? Yep. And the reason that you're able to do that, though, is because you've practiced it so much. So I think, like, the best way to combat nerves is, again, like, being as prepared as possible. I know know whenever we would do, like, fitness testing, it's always scary because it's, like, you got, like, a stopwatch in your face and everyone's yelling and it's intense. But, like, you know what it is. Like, it's the mile and a half run or whatever it is. So you have to practice that in the summer to be able to nail it on your fitness testing.
1: You don't want to be thinking about it when... When it's most intense, which is a showcase, right. right? Like, you want, it's like if you have a, we talked about exams, you have a big exam, right? And you're like, oh my God, am I going to know how to do this? And it's like, well, yeah, you've done it 100 times on homeworks right. and class. Like, you know what you're doing. And right. it's the same with showcases where it's like, am I going to be able to zip around that defenseman? Am I going to be able to break that pass? Well, you always break that pass up. Like, so I think it's the same way. And I think it's also the mental toughness end of things, which has rightfully gotten more and more into younger players of, hey, you have to be mentally tough. I think some kids just, don't even think about it. I think some kids, and those are some of the best kids, the ones who don't even give it a second thought, right? Right. But some do. And I think that that's important that they have that mental toughness and the confidence and the the preparation piece, which I think is really important. Another thing that, and you probably get this all the time, reaching out to coaches, sending videos. I always see highlight reels of certain kids on YouTube that their parents or someone put together and they send out, you know, reaching out to coaches. How, How should kids go about that especially how it relates to showcases are you reaching out to a coach and saying hey coach greg brown from bc hey coach brown i'm at are you gonna be at the showcase i want you to see me is that how you do it or is there a different way that the kids should go about it
0: yeah again great question because i i would say that the focus here is for athletes to be proactive so be proactive with the process so Again, the days of what we see on these old movies where college coach comes and knocks on your door and <laughs> makes you not like those. That's Come on, just, kid.
1: You're going to really be something. None of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like th- those are long gone. Right. Because again, there are so many athletes playing now and it is such a competitive pool and it's a much larger pool. So when you, I know when we go to some of our events, like in the summer, like Beantown, just for example. Mm-hmm. I'm friends with a lot lot of college coaches, and they could easily get hundreds, they, they tell me, of emails leading up to those events, hundreds. So as you can imagine how hard it is for them to navigate through that. So I think on your end as a player, again, being as proactive as possible, but this is where it also, things coincide progressively in, into the plan that we're discussing right now starting with a list of schools so yep. knowing what I just said if there's hundreds of emails that these coaches are getting you need to really try to focus on schools that are on your list because you don't have time to waste and nor do these college coaches right if they're going to go to a bean town they need to spend you know 20 minutes at this rink and then jump to the next rank to see the players that they have on their list that they want to see so my advice would be to reach out to them and lay out the events, the show, the, the tournaments and showcase that you're going to be doing this summer. For us, it's usually about three to four to five, you know, for our U19s and mm-hmm. U16s. And they lay out which team they're going to be on, provide the schedule if you can. That makes it really easy.
1: That might be helpful, yes. I,
0: I think that the, the more work you can do for that coach, the better. So they don't have to be looking through the schedule themselves, right? So we play Saturday, 3 p.m. Put that, put that in the email. And your jersey number. And Evan, I think a big, really helpful tool these days is video. I, I think it's a really big thing. I think, there's, I think it's a really good way for coaches to get a glimpse so it's sort of like a intro, if you will. Like, obviously,
1: you're seeing their highlights. You're not going to put just an entire game or a bad shift, but at least it's sort of the first impression being a good, oh, so-and-so scores this goal. Okay, all right. I like his skating. I like his his stride, things like that. It's at least, as you said, like an introduction.
0: It's It's an intro, yeah, and they can... Sometimes they can tell right away, okay, like this this kid has no chance or <laughs> this <it's>, kid stinks. <laughs> it's something that I'm gonna I'm gonna keep watching. And and each coach is different. Like I've had coaches respond back, oh, can you send me the full game? Because I wanna see this person doing the full game in you know, yep. all different situations. And but again, I do think though some sort of a video just to start with, so they can get a glimpse. And there's there's lots of different ways that you can do that. Like I think things like Huddle or VidSwap. Are really good tools because you can. They're, they're essentially meant for sports video. You can edit clips. You can make highlight videos. So I do think that that is really something worthwhile investing in.
1: Also, like iMovie's free on or not? Uh, yeah, it's iMovie if you have a Mac. I think that that's, that's a pretty easy uh, way to clip stuff. So that probably would work as well. But I mean, again, Huddle the highlights are in there. Right. And those and I don't. I'm not familiar with VidSwap, but I imagine both are very easy to to edit. Also, like. Most kids know technology, so like the For kids sure. can edit them themselves, which I would assume is a good thing. But again, I, 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 you mentioned coaches getting hundreds of emails, and the, the obvious thing is if you want to stand out, be good, be better than everybody else. But when it comes to standing out in those emails and standing out when you're reaching out to a coach, if they're getting that much, those many messages, how do you stand out? Like how do you have an email that I imagine their emails that don't even open, but how do you, how do you stand out in when you're communicating with them? I mean, the obvious answer is to be good, but is there anything else that parents and and kids can do?
0: Yeah, well, I think like it's it's safe to say that a lot of coaches they can tell a lot on or they can probably project sometimes what level a kid is at based on their whole hockey package. So meaning where they're playing high school, right, or prep school, where where their club team, mm-hmm. for example. So I do think that they can certainly tell a lot by that. I, I know I can. Like when people reach out to me and they send me information, I mean, I can essentially make a very good guesstimate of the level of that player based on their whole hockey package, yes, if you will, that they're providing me. But again, Evan, great question. I mean, it's just... I think that I do think that this relates to this question that don't forget athletes that these are showcases. So these are this is what you are preparing for. It's like it's like when you have a game on Saturday, you're practicing 4 to 5 days a week before that game yeah. to hopefully get it just right. So I think for these showcases where you are trying to be at your very best and be seen and have coaches come away with a great snapshot of you. Don't forget to really work on your game in the summer. So, i I've had in the past some athletes who like they gave me their whole list of events. It's like seven or eight showcases they're doing this summer. I'm like, well, this is great, but like, what are you going to actually do to get better this summer?
1: Yeah, showcases. You're not getting better at showcases. Right, you're just like, showcasing.
0: Like, where are you going to work on your game? What are you doing? How how are you gonna train during So the should
1: week? should parents in the email or, or kids say in the email, Hey, I'm training here, I'm doing this, I'm doing that? Should they add that, do you think?
0: I don't think it I don't think it hurts okay. by any means, right? And and again, I think that based on information that you give coaches, they can tell a lot, make a very good guesstimates as to I think the level of athlete that they're dealing with. But but just again in terms of my, my tips for, for preparation, get better in the off season. Don't don't forget to do that. That should be your top priority so that, like, when you are marketing yourself at these events, which is what you're doing, you are at your very best. So you're in the best shape, right, possible, and you have been on the ice, you're well-prepared, and on an upward trajectory of, of getting better would be strong advice.
1: One last thing on the emails because I think parents can or can kind of not know what to do is as, as you know. Oh, by the
0: way, sorry, that just reminded me. Parents – don't email coaches. <laughs>
1: Parents shouldn't yeah. email coaches. Okay.
0: This needs to come from the kids. Yes. Interesting. And mind you, like if this is prep school, we, we don't want a 10 year old emailing a coach. so this is, that's different, right? So I, I think though, like 14 years old and up athletes should be reaching out to coaches. And, and I know that that 14 or so age, like that's when kids are starting to go into high school and stuff, yep. but 100% Evan, when kids are in high school have the athlete communicate with the coach. Not the parent.
1: No, that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. And should the, this this is getting into technical stuff as an editor, I'm curious. Should the email be long or short? Should it be short and sweet to the point or should there be a little description there?
0: I think get to the point.
1: Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I I was thinking if if you're getting 100 emails, why would you want to read 100 different five paragraph essays of why they want to go to Maine? That's what I would think.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think get to the point, get the main details that they want to see, right? Events, team, schedule, jersey number. Maybe include your video, but just very get to the point and get the core details that they're going to want to be seen. Also include your year of graduation and, and birth year as well.
1: Two important things. Two very important things.
0: And one thing on that, Evan. Just a couple things. I know obviously can talk a lot about this. This, this which is good. This, this I, I think people. I think
1: people enjoy that.
0: Yeah, I do think, and this is just I think how hockey's changed a little bit the last five to ten years. I I think this is very helpful. Maybe not everyone agrees with this, but I think when you're doing these events and you are reaching out to coaches, it is much more helpful if you're staying with one team when you're being seen at these events. So for lots of different reasons. Number one, it's just easier for them to track you. I think sometimes if you're playing on different teams at all these different events. Well, let's say there's three showcases and you're playing on a different team at every single one of those. It's easier to get to slip through the cracks, number one. But number two, it's not a consistency of line mates and teammates and coaches that you're playing with. And I just think that that's a helpful thing that if you can, for the most part, keep consistent with one team while you're at these events, it's easier for them I think there's there's lots of pros for you as well, as opposed to playing on a different team like tournament team or whatever, for all of those events that's just that's just a a bit of a side piece of advice, but
1: no, but that's an interesting because small, I think there are a lot of kids who just play whenever and will want to be on any team and sticking with one is the chemistry part's the most interesting I think cuz you know it's like when you see these all-star games and they try to do like a power play like no one knows where to go because exactly. it's just like yep. you've never played with these people before yep. so I think you're right in the sense of like sticking with with one team one coach one group definitely helps you also maximize your own your own abilities and even like when I go for my for this job when I go watch kids and they're on different teams it can be like oh that's that's him Right. Like what? Right. Like yeah, like what? So I think sometimes like it can be kind of confusing, especially if you're watching a, like these coaches are watching a lot of players. So it does make it easier to kind of associate them with the jersey. That might sound dumb, but I think it makes a lot of sense.
0: Absolutely, you'd be surprised how many times I've heard from coaches if there was like a jersey issue or a number, a jersey number issue, and. They get confused as to who's who. Like it happens all the time, right? So
1: because no one has the name on the back, a lot of people don't have the name on the back of their jersey, or
0: it's just like a, a summer tournament jersey that they're using. Right? You got it's a like penny a, on one or two, once or twice that you're using it. So it happens all the time. Like I I, I hear it all the time, and, and again, it seems like a minor thing, but if they're watching a different person or they don't know where to find somebody, missed opportunity. Potentially, right? And you go to an event like the Bean Town where there's hundreds of teams. It's like a hockey circus, right? Yeah. So it's just
1: it's. That's a good way to put it. The
0: as, as detailed and simple as possible, I think, is is always helpful. Now I know just when you go through like a tryout process, for example, if you have like a hundred kids on the ice, if you can't see what their number is on the back of their jersey, it's kids can slip through the cracks. Well,
1: I remember when I used to do tryouts, my dad would be like, "Don't tuck your shirt in, you know? yeah, Don't, like yeah, keep it out." Yeah. And I'd be like. I was like, I'm Lil. I'm like, I like agree whatever. With that. No. Yeah. But it's it's legitimate because you want to see who it is and they want, you want to be able to clearly see the number on the back of their jersey. So interesting stuff.
0: One last thing on the emails, Evan. Again, small thing, but I think goes a long way. When you're sending your emails, try to customize it to that particular school. So
1: don't just copy, paste, add names and things like that.
0: Right, right. And it's, it's a complaint I think I've heard a lot from coaches. And it also, it just, it doesn't make them feel like you're serious about their school and program. It doesn't make them feel special, which, which I guess I can understand, right? So I think if you're serious about school, a certain school, why is it that you like that school what is it about it what's the environment why would that school be a great fit for you and essentially coaches they they want to know why their program would be the right fit for you so try to make it as customized and personable i think as as possible if you can
1: yeah no i i totally agree with you as we wrap this up do you have any leftover thoughts that we have not touched on with summer showcase this has been i think really enlightening
0: good yeah i i think just the i think we did hit on a lot of the the main points for sure. And again, just, I think this can be applicable to numerous different scenarios, whether it's junior programs you're going for prep programs or college programs. But I do think just the last piece, and this is, I think should be obvious, but I think it's just worth reminding yourself is if you have a big event coming up, the last piece is to take care of yourself as much as possible. So meaning plenty of rest, getting your, Eight hours of sleep a night is super important if you're really serious Don't be up all night
1: playing the Call of Duty.
0: And super important, eating proper nutrition, really important to peak performance, and also getting proper recovery. So plan out your workouts. So if you have a a big event starting on Friday, you don't want to be lifting super hard on Thursday night, for example, right? So really kind of take that stuff into account. And if you're hopefully working with a very capable, qualified coach, then they should hopefully be able to guide you in that a little bit. But again, I think some obvious points, but I think it's just worth noting because, again, just proper tools, I think, for an athlete to be at their absolute best when they want to be.
1: Absolutely. Nailed it. Interesting so. stuff. And this is, I think we're going to have a lot of this throughout the summer, yeah. things like this and People will probably see you out at rinks at different showcases. Which, oh, you uh, will, you will come up and show. Them, they'll they'll show you them. The, uh, they'll show you their emails. and like, can you review this, Stephanie?
0: <laughs> I would love it. Can yeah. you
1: see? Can you see if this makes sense? Does, does this is this good? Would you recruit me? So we'll, well see. It's,
0: it's. I'll put it this way. It's very rewarding. It's just. It's. It's what we do, and it's. I think that's probably one of the most rewarding parts is to see your student athletes, or just see athletes that you know, to really accomplish their goals. Right. And if you can have helped them get there, and sometimes, Evan, I think sometimes people just don't have great information, sadly, right? They have all the tools in place, but you you need to, I think, have a, a proper plan to navigate through everything properly.
1: Absolutely. Makes sense.
0: And you're right. We will definitely have more information on this. So, Evan, upcoming episode in the near future, we're actually going to get into listing several showcases on the men's side and the women's side that seem to be beautiful popular in New England and helpful for for kids so that'll be on deck in the near future.
1: Yeah, maybe I'll maybe I'll suit up and Play one of them as well. I get the, <laughs> the legs back under me. I don't we, think I can do that. But
0: You do everything as it is, so why ex- not?
1: Exactly. Why, what's one more thing? No better no better way to cover the event than actually just put yourself in the event. So it's a brilliant uh, thought process by me.
0: Maybe so. we could do like a New England Hockey Journal pickup game.
1: Oh, geez, <laughs> I'd actually get in a little bit better shape for that. But Yes, you could jump t- <laughs> into that.
0: You could get a team.
1: Are we talking actual hockey? Oh, can, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Well, I can <laughs> skate. That's about all I can do.
0: It's all good.
1: I'll have, I'll have to get the the hands working again and the legs going. <laughs> I got to get back into hockey anyway, like skating and like I got to I live near two nice rinks. I live near Warrior Ice Arena yeah. and I think it's it's the, the one in Brighton. It might be the Daily Rink. I forget the name of it, oh, but yeah. I live right near both of them. And this is my first winter living there. And I'm like I got to get back into the game, but it's one of these days I will.
0: All right. Well, we'll hold you to that.
1: How
2: about the Gretzky Hockey, the Bubble Arcade game? I'm pretty good at that. Ooh, there you <laughs> go.
1: So that you have me beat there, thankfully.
0: And now it's time for Rink-Wise overtime. 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 turning it over to producer David Yaz.
2: Thanks, Steph. New segment on the show where each you and Evan will receive three questions for which you are mostly unprepared for oh three mystery hockey
1: I'm excited questions. for this pressure and
0: Evan that's a pressure this, this is the
1: weird. pressure we're talking about in the showcase. now yeah. the pressure's on we're us we're not prepared no we this. are not prepared at all for the, these the pressure the pressure is on and
2: since Evan you said that we'll make you go first okay question number one Evan what is your first memory
1: of playing hockey my first memory skating wise my dad took me to this learn to skate it was when i was really little i it was it was before like beginners even and i hated it i wouldn't even leave i had my hand on the boards i was afraid of falling i didn't even go across i remember at the end of the learn to skate program which was over the course of like a few weeks at the end kids got a medal for finishing they didn't even give me a medal i was the one kid oh, who no. didn't even get a medal <laughs> they looked at my dad they were Not like everybody we gets a trophy literally a they were like he we can't even give him the medal so they gave me like a piece of paper that said I did it or something I don't even remember what it was oh, but geez. I hated it and then my dad said my dad was grew up playing hockey he's like I can't have him not play hockey and he yeah he wasn't a crazy parent or anything but he's like let's try him for beginners my mom was like I don't think that's gonna really be it like he clearly hates it but once I got the pads on once I got out with a stick and I was playing with a puck I loved it and uh, that was my but that's my first memory is I hated it. So it's funny that I'm in it wow. now. Who knew? Yeah, I know. And I was I was probably the only kid I don't remember who the kids were in that I learned to skate class, but I was probably the only kid there that actually ended up going on to play any hockey at all. So, it's funny mm-hmm. how that works. Oh, that's a good one. How about you, Stephanie?
0: Yeah, so my first memory, so I actually started in figure skating, believe it or not, so before I I switched to hockey. So, of course, growing up back in Canada, we I started in mites and they called the mites Timbits. So timbits, yes, I know. <laughs> we had jerseys that said Timbits. Which
2: what is what is a Timbit? Tim...
0: A Munchkin, basically. Okay.
1: Tim Hortons. That's the name Tim of the Munchkins, Hortons, right? Timbits, oh, yeah. okay.
0: But that's what they called the mites. So we had these jerseys. So it was actually really cute. Like they little mites skating around. They had Timbits written on the back of their jerseys. So, but anyway, so my my first year, so switching from figure skating to hockey, and I've two other siblings in my family, older and very athletic, but I was the only hockey player. So because girls hockey was not as big back then as, as we know, but a lot of people encouraged my parents to, to get me into it because it was just really athletic and stuff. So actually my first year when I switched into hockey, I could skate like the wind, but was awful at all the hockey stuff. And so of course I hated it my, my first year and I was usually the only girl. So that was my intro but my parents after the first year they again not crazy hockey parents but they they knew that i loved sports and they i wanted to quit after that first year but they they didn't let me so i practiced a little bit more over the summer and the second year when i when i came back i i started to get a lot better and quickly and quickly escalated from there but I think just a good story too because I did I didn't like it at all my first my first touch both of you
2: that's funny yeah yeah I, I think skating is hard it, it's not it's not the same as call it like soccer roll the ball out right. and the kid just runs out there it takes patience my son has autism and so he's I mean he's 24 now but we decided we'd try to let him learn how to skate and he eventually learned and played on a special needs hockey team and it was very cool
0: nice that's but when, awesome
2: but pretty much he he's he's brave but he's lazy so what he would do is he would get out there and one skate would never leave the ice and and then the other one's just pumping him along and he figured he didn't need to move particularly fast for what he was doing so but anyway
0: nice all right
2: we will move on to question number two stephanie you get to lead off all right what is the best movie about hockey
0: Well, I think this one's going to be a debate between the three of us. I think we all have a different answer. But so growing up, my favorite hockey movie of all time was The Mighty Ducks. Mm. And I remember, I I think I got it for Christmas one time. And I must have watched it like five times in one day. Because it was just like (laughs) Disney, so fun, and just kind of like a perfect hockey movie for when you're younger. But so yeah, so for me, that was... My favorite of course they came out with Mighty Ducks two and three, so I was on cloud. And then
2: it, it became an actual hockey team in the NFL in the excuse me, in the NHL. So cool it's story. Crazy, yeah. So
0: cool story actually, and I'll, I'll sorry, make this quick. So when I went to Northeastern, one of my teammates at the time, she was a senior, I found out that she was one of the female skaters in the Mighty Ducks movie. Really? Yeah. Wow. Did
1: you ask for her autograph?
0: No, well <laughs> I had to play it cool as a freshman, but yeah, super nice girl. But yeah, so everything everything happens for a reason. That's
1: cool. Wow. All right, Evan, you're up. Well, I first of all it's funny that like the, the ducks, now they're just like the regular ducks, but like they were the they were based off a Disney movie prior to that, right. as you as you said. I'm surprised. I I'm surprised to go Mighty Ducks. It's a great movie. That Mine's be- miracle. Mine's a miracle. I don't think anything beats miracle. I think it is the mo the it's just such a good movie. It's such an incredible story. Mm. It's improbable. It's it's a well acted movie. Also, like I think it's one of those movies that even if you don't like hockey i feel like miracle is one of those that you can get into because it's more about mm. the story and the just the entire like people love rocky and we're not all like boxers but it's just a good movie right, Miracles right. kind of like that i think miracles i, well, I the, think it's miracles at the
2: top yeah the the opening montage of that movie begins not about hockey but about what was going on in the country and the the crisis in iran the cold war yep the economy was kind of crap and so it's it just set you up for the country maybe needed something like this. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but yeah, there was a made for TV movie years ago. I think it was called miracle on ice. It starred Steve Gutenberg as Michael Ruzioni and Carl Malden as Brooks, her Brooks. And it was terrible. And really, so- <laughs> I've never seen, it. I'm glad I haven't seen yeah, it. It was just, it was just awful. I'm sorry. Gutenberg might've been Jim Craig. I don't know, but it was bad. And uh, so, yeah, they they got it right without being overly sappy. I mean, I agree with you. But just to enter the fray here, I will say that growing up when I did in the eighties, Slapshot was the gold ah, the gold standard. Yeah, classic. The, the, I get that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, because it every sort of hilarious trope about hockey, everything you can possibly make fun of from the chirping the the, now I'm forgetting the names of the brothers. Who are the names? The Hanson brothers. The, the Hanson brothers. Thank you. I mean, they—they've become. God, did they? They lived off of that. that oh, was how hockey, that's how hockey
0: was back then, too. Well, right. Classic. Old, old right? time hockey. And yeah. just, you're
1: right, though. They're at everything.
2: Yeah. The, oh, yeah. They—they they still make appearances, and they still milk that thing. But good for them. You get they to were do that. Players. Yeah. By the way, to be clear, the movie actually came out in '77, but I probably didn't see. Wasn't allowed to see it until the '80s <laughs> when yeah. I was old enough. But and then you had Paul Newman in unlikely in a, in a comedy and just, just hilarious. But it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat Miracle. So maybe Evan wins this round. But actually, you know I Overruled. Seven, <laughs> yeah, you get, you, it's your segment.
1: Year. You can overrule me. That.
2: <laughs> All right. Our third and final question for overtime. What is your favorite? And we'll start with you, Whose turn is it? It's actually Evan's turn. I'll go yeah, first. Yeah. You'll go first because I know Stephanie's answer, and It's going to be awesome. But I'm sure <laughs> yours will be great too. Evan, Evan what is your favorite story? of no pressure, Evan. Yeah. yeah. A lot of pressure now. <laughs> what is your favorite story about meeting a hockey player or personality?
1: So my favorite story, I would actually go the personality route. I've been fortunate when I was, when I cover Bruins to meet them, but that's more professional and stuff. But I remember when I was doing my first big thing, I was covering the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs and the Bruins were going on a crazy run and that was Doc Emmerich's, I think second to last year. And I remember seeing him for the first time, I was like, Oh my god, like that's Doc Emmerich. Like mm. he I was more stars way more starstruck seeing Doc Emmerich than I was seeing any player. Mm. And there was a nice security guard there named Diane at the garden, and she. I would always say hi to her, and we would talk. And she said, "I want you to meet someone." And she and she she says, "Jack." She goes, "Doc, you know, this is Evan Marinofsky Like, and and Doc had like, "Evan, great to meet you." And it was like very nice and cordial, and like, wow. I don't know, just meeting him. And it wasn't like a long interview; it was probably all of maybe thirty seconds. But it was, he was just so nice, and like you could tell, was a hundred percent. Pure and natural, and just a really nice guy. So I, I give it to Doc, and I miss Doc on the broadcasts. They need him back. That's awesome. Ever, ever the journalist. Evan picks the the broadcaster. I did. <laughs> yeah, I, saying, I don't have any like crazy ones, with, like a hockey player. I, the only crazy one I didn't meet him, but Bobby Orr, mm-hmm. our neighbors growing up, li- were neighbors with him in Florida. So they got me like the, the picture that said like to Evan, good luck always, Bobby Orr. But everybody has that picture, yeah, right, so I don't think that's right. very like interesting. Yeah. But right. that's just me. Stephanie, how about you?
0: Yeah. So I would say just to change it up a little bit, a little bit different. So back when I was doing grad school at BU, I also interned at Nesson and got to spend some time working with Katherine Tappan mm-hmm. back then, back at the time. And Obviously, one of the most successful reporters that we see, female reporters working in sports now. And mm. great person, really love that experience, met a lot of great people. But so really kind of cool. We actually get to work together a little bit. So we did a hockey commercial together. And this is a classic one from years ago. And It was a commercial
2: um, for Nesson, is that right? So or, it or was not?
0: actually a Bruins commercial but bruins it weekend. was produced by nesson mm-hmm. it was i believe at the time to promote their bruins broadcasting their mm-hmm. I think it was a pre- and
1: post-game and- show you just showed me yeah, yeah
0: yeah so i was actually the stunt double on the ice for for katherine tappan <laughs> that's crazy really so yeah. If,
2: yeah if you watch the ad Catherine <laughs> tappan basically is, is she, i mean it, it's played for humor right but yes. she's yeah. she's showing yeah. off her moves right. and and it wasn't her because she can't could she skate or so
0: she she's not a hockey player no but she she was a very good athlete so she was a track star at ruggers but yeah hockey was not her thing Mm -hmm. uh but she uh, did
1: skate off the ice though so she could skate a little bit she
0: managed yeah we had to do a few takes um but uh, but we 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 landed that and it was a huge success and no casualties and uh, no it was great because she i think she was very encouraging at the time too to to maybe Get into her field and pursue it, and so I think kind of full circle now after really launching career, sort of building hockey and programs and coaching and whatnot, and coming back into that field a little bit. So that was a great experience.
1: And she's back with TNT. She so she was with NBC for a while, and then she, what she stayed there after hockey left. I think she was doing like like when they, they do their own events like football and I think some like horse racing. But she's back doing stuff for TNT, which is great. Doing hockey, she's I she's know
2: awesome. She, but yeah. still still with yeah. NBC, I guess.
1: She, she maybe to... I don't know the full details on where she is, but I know that she's been on the TNT broadcast recently, which has been nice. She's one of the, like, I grew up with her on TV as, like, yep. a Bruins person. Yep. Like, her, Naoko Funayama, like, they're legends in my <laughs> mind of just, like, good yep. hockey hosts and stuff, yep. so glad Ama- that's a hilarious story.
0: Amazing people, too. Yeah, yeah, good people. Great people there.
1: I did meet
2: Al Michaels once in the lobby of a hotel. We were at a wedding, and we saw him walking into the bar with his producer, and said, and so we don't want to bother you, Mr. Michaels. But with such big fans, and somebody brought up the 1980 hockey U.S. men's hockey champ, of course, what he's best, still what he's best known for to this day. Do you believe in miracles, right? And I said to him, "Will anything ever top that, Mr. Michaels?" And he said, "No, I don't." I, he said, "I don't see how." He said, "It was, it was at the height of the Cold War. It was amateurs against basically amateurs against professionals. It was." And so he was super nice. And he's like as big a star as they come when it comes to broadcasting, right? He took the, he, he stopped in his tracks and talked to us for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes and just answered all our questions. yeah
1: it's funny how those people it's it's always the people that are at the top that are usually the nicest exactly right like they're the ones who are the most humble and also we've talked about this yes like Mm. off air like those broadcasters like doc and and Mm. al michaels and others have to work so long to get to that point that i think they they do appreciate like you know how hard it is to get to that level yeah Mm. if
2: you're a fan of the Smartless podcast which is very popular al michaels was a recent guest and talks Mm. about how he started as a broadcasting minor league baseball games in Hawaii
0: wow and just
2: tough. and and just worked his way up and so but and to me he he 'll always be the best just you can tell he just really loves the game and he loves talk about it. At any rate, so the results are in here. We're tabulating here the the overtime research department here. In. Oh, you both have passed the audition. Congratulations. Let's go. Cool. Wonderful. Wonderful. We,
1: we scored on our first <laughs> showcase.
0: Mentally well, tough, Evan. Mentally nice tough, yes. Nice job. We just <laughs> fist pumped. You couldn't see that. But. <laughs> that does it for this edition of RinkWise. Our podcast is produced by David Yaz. Be sure to catch us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at any Hockey Journal and subscribe with us online at hockeyjournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. RinkWise is a Siemens Media production.